Okay, before the start of the Gaming Bros first ever episode podcast, I just want to say that if you hear some shh in the background, it was raining when we were recording, so sorry about that. Um, if it's still in the final cut and you hear this right now, uh, I, I apologize, it is a little annoying, but I'll try and mix it properly with the music in the background. Just full warning, it is raining and I do not have a soundproof bloody place to record anyway thank you and enjoy the first episode of the gaming burst podcast where we discuss starfield love you all And welcome to the first episode of the Gaming Bros Podcast, our second official spin-off podcast with the Movie Bros Podcast. Now, we are your hosts, Rickman King and Epson. How are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for having me on again. Uh, this, you know, I have to say, it's been an interesting week. Uh, interesting week for all movies and games alike. Yeah. Um... Exactly, uh, it's quite barren, and also there's a lot of news that came out uh, from both mediums. Now, this week we'll be discussing the topic we kind of talked about in our third episode of the Movie Bros podcast, aptly titled Film and TV Bonanza, where we discussed our favorite pieces of media so far this year, and we'll be delving headfirst into the expansive worlds that video games create. With Starfield literally around the corner, the anticipation has never been greater for video game in recent memory as we will be discussing its implications on the industry moving forward. We will also be going through the news that, to, uh, that took over the gaming world by storm. Even though the Movie Bros podcast is not happening this week, we will still be covering this week's episodes of Warrior and My Adventures with Superman, as well as taking a break from the box office till next week with the release of DC's Blue Beetle. Now Epsilon, this journey to a place where no one has gone before. This is Starfield. Good luck, Constellation. You are go for launch. Epsilon, this game has been 25 plus years in the making. Do you think the hype will deliver? I truly, truly believe that gaming for Bethesda still has a chance. This is Bethesda's last hope, final bastion, to truly deliver us a fantastic piece of gaming media that everybody can enjoy for a lifetime. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I have to say, yeah? Yes. I'm hoping it lives up to its hype. Definitely. Um... I think our first teaser back in 2021 uh, was really cool. It was in-engine, uh, in-game as well. It looked cool, but it was a teaser, and it teased 11, 11, 22, which didn't fully come true. Last year, they had a, um extensive gameplay look uh, at the Xbox Bethesda Showcase last year at E3, and it looked so rough. But what they did this year with a 45-minute deep dive of just Todd Howard and the team at Bethesda diving into the world of Starfield and showing us 
um, everything has gotten everyone hyped and that is the best thing the game has uh, has going for it and I don't think the hype train has stopped from then um, the ultimate answer is will it deliver well we can't be sure all I've heard is that the version that's gone out to early reviewers have been version 1.6 so there has been multiple versions already done until the final launch um, comes out because when Fallout 4 came out it was just version 1.1 and now with Starfield what reviewers have got is version 1.6.35.9 I think and that means that the game's been worked on multiple times they tried to make this the most polished Bethesda game which I don't think will happen uh, but just it's the hype's there um, well I do want to yeah. say though Will will the polishing remove the aspect of Bethesda that we all love? The jankiness that some of the Bethesda games is just generally the common trope of what we expect from a Bethesda game. And if if it's truly lost, then will it feel the same? Yeah, but, I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, I do want to say uh, this is riding on a very fine line of will it be what recovers this company. Or will it be the company's killer? Yeah. <clears throat> because um, yeah. if I remember correctly, this is the first game without ZeniMax? Yes. Oh, no. Uh, Microsoft has bought ZeniMax, but mm. I think it's... I don't think they're fully mm. part of it. I don't know. The game's been in development for nine years so far. Mm. So, I don't know. So, Todd is pushing us along. And I, I believe it's the first game that they personally have all the power to. And that sounds very promising. It sounds very cool. Now, um, I feel like this is the first true RPG from Bethesda, like Bethesda Hole, and their different IPs and everything, um, since Fallout 4. Um, if I'm correct, it is truly the, the first... RPG since Fallout 4, right, Epsilon? Yes. Or was Fallout 76? Uh, Fallout 76 was an online uh, MMORPG. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, because I heard a lot about Fallout 76 being kind of a survival horror as well, in some it aspects. Was, it was a horror uh, on release, however, came back throughout its multiple updates and renditions. Yeah, I think the latest update they have um, added new cities. But the fact that they had to add it, like, I think it was free DLC for NPCs. There was no NPCs <laughs> at the beginning of the game, now there is. That's yeah. what people expected and needed. Yeah, um, I think that wasn't, um, I think Todd had to kind of, um, uh, was it, um, promote it, um, 76, but it's not really Bethesda games. Um, yeah, let's see, Zenimax is uh, Bethesda's B team. Yeah, it was their B team. I think it was either Montreal or Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, it starts with the M, but yeah, um, that did put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. And now with Bethesda's name tied to something like Redfall, coming straight after what people consider Game of the Year with Hi-Fi Rush, ugh, Redfall wasn't a good look. It hurt a lot. Yeah. Um, it was. Uh, yeah, Redfall is a game that had no love towards it the um, company that uh how the development company that developed it uh wasn't even a development company for that genre of games 
Yeah, Arcane Studios, who did the mm. Dishonored series. Um, yeah, they didn't. I, I don't want to put words in their mouth saying they didn't want to do this um, game, but it kind of feels like it from playing it and on Game Pass. And hopefully, Todd and the crew showing as much love to Starfield. Hopefully, we feel that love that they put into the game. Um, it's an ever-expanding world with hopefully a thousand planets. Um, if there's not a thousand planets, I don't mind. What are your thoughts on the thousand planets? Well, I hope it's not another situation uh, with another very f- uh, familiar to- uh, engine game, such as No Man's Sky at the beginning, where all the different planets were just slight variations of the same planets. Yeah, they were all procedurally generated, and um, Bethesda team have confirmed that most of these planets are procedurally generated, but mm. um, they have a, I think, a real-time software putting them different, like planet, uh, different, like Designs. locations in those yeah. um, planets, and the fact that with these thousand planets, you can build your own settlement on, I think, all of them. So you've got a home away from home, really, and you can build resources and everything from its planets. So I kind of like that. But a thousand planets is a ooh. I don't know. Um, we'll just wait till launch day. Mm. Um, it seems like the story behind um, Starfield is so rich in lore. Um, we don't know much about it unless Epsilon. Do you have any clue about? Where the story is gonna take us? Uh, I personally, I do not want to spoil myself on this. However, mm-hmm. I feel as though it's gonna take us to the stars. With with the uh, idea of space travel being a major topic in this game, I truly believe that we can experience multiple, uh, you know, galaxies. You know. Yeah. Um. I feel like. Some somehow because in everything we've seen so far, um, story-wise in the game with the constellation team and everything, it looks kind of like a halo ring that's um, that's forming and somehow holds kind of a power. I don't I don't know. Um, it'll be kind of cool because in the um, uh, Starfield Direct, uh, the forty-five minute presentation, um, at the very end before Todd Howard did his closing thoughts, there was a part of um your main character your character that you create using these force powers uh, kind of um reciting like a phosphor radar from from skyrim but with space in space and um, yes. i feel like those rings kind of correlate to s- some kind of magic kind of like the force like metachlorians and everything i don't know but that's where i think the law is gonna go we'll see how it goes and hopefully this time round, Bethesda doesn't disappoint us. Yeah, Bethesda's stories have been like the writing's been okay. The stories, like leading up to it, have been incredible. There's books about them, everything. But I do want to say though, I hope they don't uh, traverse the one, one conversation route uh, aspect that most of their games have in the past. Where mm. literally the the conversations that are spoken within the game don't have any impact within the choices that you have. Yeah, I think 
some of the um, previous titles yeah, were like that. Yeah, like Skyrim, they're all very guilty of this kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like they're gonna look back at all those mistakes, especially with um, your choices and decisions, and kind of weed them into this um, big story. Um, hopefully, hopefully. But um, Bethesda's writing team has been a little um, stiff lately. Um, hasn't been the best, but um, Epsilon, this has the chances of being an Elden Ring or a Cyberpunk, or as you said, No Man's Sky at launch, where Elden Ring came out. Little to no bugs, but it, it broke Steam, it broke everything, and it came out quite polished. While Cyberpunk, even though being a great game, came out buggy. Um, us PC players were lucky that it wasn't as buggy as PlayStation and yes. uh, PlayStation Four and Xbox One. Um, but we hope that it's not a Cyberpunk No Man's Sky situation. Where, well, for No Man's yeah. Sky, I feel that too many promises were made, and hope that's not the same over here, especially with Todd's promises in Fallout Seventy Six not coming to fruition. I feel as though this is truly going to be an important one. Yeah. Um, back with the cyberpunk thing. Uh, they showed off everything cool, awesome, what you can do. And they... Like, you could choose your route like Street Kid or Nomad. And they were saying, oh, these choices will affect how your game will go. So you would think, oh, there's multiple endings with the choice that you choose at the beginning. That's what they're trying to do, but however, yeah, um, those choices were just cool gimmicky things at the beginning, but mm. the way your character goes on um, is exactly the same as anyone yeah. else who's playing different and um, it's not really impacted um, traits. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hopefully, it is an Elden Ring, and yes, Elden Ring was Game of the Year last year. Hopefully, it's a certain situation like that where. Even though, yes, you said um, we c if they keep polishing the game, we're going to lose that jankiness. I hope that jankiness still stays with him. Bethesda. Slightly. Not too yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. But um, hopefully it's polished. Um, I, I wouldn't mind if there's any like minor bugs, but if there's some game-breaking bugs, well, that's, that's the yeah. end of that. Um, recently, uh, the game has gone gold, um, where it means... It can now be sold um, physically. I think they've already made physical discs and everything. They were just waiting for it to go gold. Mm. And that means everything's good for distribution. You can now start preloading. Uh, you can preload on Xbox Series S and X and Windows. Also Game Pass um, right now. And you can um, pre-install on Steam on August 31st here in New Zealand. Um, Epsilon... This is good signs, right? Just a couple of weeks before the game comes out. It's it's looking great, with mm. especially with pre-installations and everything. I'm hoping it gives us a good, you know, overall score of what we can expect. And, you know, push for better heights and whatever the game brings us, you know. We'll be hopefully looking forward to that. Yeah, review codes have actually gone out. Um, so some people are actually playing the game now. And then some people are going to play the game, um, I think this week or next week, before the um, the first of September, where premium edition members get to play early access. Um, but yes, I hope that all of this is they're confident in the game. That's all I know. Mm. 
is that they're they're pushing this game, they're marketing this game. Mm. Even though there's some people that are saying, "Where's the marketing? Microsoft is marketing Bethesda. It's there, and the hype's always been there since game um, since, and they showcase." Um, also, another cool thing. Um, I didn't want to bring up GTA because they took out a modding, um, a massive mod within GTA for um, players to use. But Bethesda now working with modding, uh, they made a whole system around mods. I think that's mm. a big win, right, Epsilon? I feel that that's a great push to, uh, especially to things that we want to see, in the, especially in the modding community. Because for a big time, Bethesda games were the height of modding uh, groups, especially Fallout 4, you know, Skyrim. All of these modding crews were just generally what pushed these games to these significant heights. And in the past, however, we've had uh, Bethesda be kind of stingy with the modding crew, especially with like things such as Skyrim together, you know, Fallout together, where multiplayer was meant to be a crude and and so we'll see how they react to this uh, era of gaming. Yeah, the sky's the limits with this game. Mm. Uh, I can't wait to to jump in the USS Enterprise or or the Millennium Falcon, see one of these derelict moons around the planet be the Death Star, and uh, facing Alderaan or something like that, or mm. even Cowboy Bebop or Space Dandy. Something like this will be awesome. Rick and Morty, Futurama. Literally, the the, the, the sky star. is the limit. Yeah, um, I, I hope Bethesda um, sees all of this because I know they're going to be creating this um, within like the first six months of the game. Um, because the modern community is very hardcore and stuff like this. And now with the Thousand Planets, they can do whatever they want. They they can make Night City from Cyberpunk if they want, hmm. in in one of their planets. Um, <coughs> but yeah. A big one for the modding um, community because now they have a system for it. Um, now, Starfield excels. Um, I feel like because now we got um, games like Hi-Fi Rush and I think we got Cyberpunk. Um, it's kind of like Jet Set Radio and um, uh, Tony Hawk. It's got that aesthetic, but with Starfield. Um, it's such a big expansive game do you think there will be another game like starfield in this industry well i hope that companies such as red dev Redem- like studio gearbox who are making uh borderlands 4 that's hopefully announced at any time yeah as well as gta 6 that might be coming out yeah yeah i hope that these companies push and strive for a better game yeah, um, if Starfield excels, uh, it still doesn't mean bigger is better, but if it does everything correctly for being such a massive game, something like GTA 6, um, hopefully it's, um, uh, it should be coming up between next year and 2025, but um, yeah, Take-Two could do something massive with that, or Red Dead 3. Um, Naughty Dog could do that with The Last of Us Part 3 or something like that. Um, but yeah, I feel like Starfield could be like the pinnacle of big, big, massive world, um, mind blowing games, and that will be the stepping stone of modern technology that is used in 
the industry and I hope and pray that it does excel and will be the pinnacle of especially space exploration or like simulations in general but um Epsilon do you think if everything we've been saying positive about it um game of the year conversation do you think it's in there I would have to give it a week I yes. think I truly think we would have to give it a week you know to see where people's footings are but hopefully yes but it's standing on that tightrope the tightrope of success or failure yeah um cyberpunk was considered um ever since it was first revealed game of the year and it came out it was a buggy mess for most players and it wasn't nominated for game of the year um even though i i myself would consider a game of the year material story-wise um a starfield is in exactly the same boat this is not a good look for either um, bethesda or microsoft um but i know it's going to succeed um people are talking about it constantly but game of the year yeah i would be on the same boat as you maybe a week a week and a half mm. because most of the first day we're gonna be on character creator <laughs> yes, <laughs> i truly probably, feel yeah. as though it's gonna be one of those where we just have to wait and see how it goes you know yeah and the game is i think compared to assassin's creed valhalla where it's mm. over a hundred thousand uh, hundred thousand hours a hundred hours of gameplay um mm. so we'll we'll see we'll see we'll now, see where this takes yeah. us yeah um now starfield um you can now preload it on your xbox series s or x or if you bought it on windows uh windows store or on game pass you can preload it now and on steam if you pre-ordered it there um you can preloader on august 31st premium edition users can have it on september 1st at 12 p.m new zealand standard time and regular standard users will be able to play it on september 6th 12 p.m new zealand standard time us here with gaming bros will be back with a new um new episode and we'll be talking about starfield and how much we played of it uh, give us give or take two three weeks we'll come back and we'll discuss it um, in full extent we'll try and get as much out of it as we can for you guys now epsilon game of the year or the game awards hosted by jeff Keighley is coming december 2023 there are usually six games nominated for game of the year um so far uh top contender for game of the year is Baldur's gate 3 of course that's got 10 out of 10s everywhere and it looks incredible i might buy it's, it as well it's just a game that everybody can relate to and wants to play yes every part of it is just exciting fun and able to be controlled in a really nice aspect yeah people are speed running um <laughs> they're doing six speed runs now I, yes. I, I think <laughs> that was quite surprising for that media but yes that was a thing that happened hey if you can draw it yeah go ahead go for it a big yes. beer but um the next one legend of zelda tears of the kingdom i thought mm. this was a short bit epsilon yeah no um uh, from what i've seen i believe it's one of those games that just definitely deserves this title yeah um 
with Baldur's Gate 3 just coming out of nowhere and mm. Legend of Zelda just sitting back going, yeah, you know what, I'm Game of the Year until that came out, even though it's been an early access since 2020, I believe. Mm. Um, yeah, I think Tears of the Kingdom still has a chance, but uh, we'll see. The next one, uh, in question marks, really, or quotations, Starfield. We, we talked a lot about it. Uh, we just talked about Game of the Year conversation. Yeah, give it a week. Um, Epson, do you want to add anything else to that? Or... Uh, hmm. Right now, I truly believe uh, for Starfield to get top contender, it has to do something on the similar aspect as Baldur's Gate 3. It is yeah. the bar that has been set, and we will see if it get matched. Yeah, exactly. Um, and number four, I put Resident Evil 4 Remake. Mm. They always love a good remake. Um, even though I don't think it's going to win, it, but being nominated is still good enough. Epsilon, mm. great game, really. Yep. It has everything that it needs to be a fantastic, amazing game. Yeah. And it's following the set story, so if it doesn't uh, mess up, then it'll probably be a really good one. Yeah, Resident Evil 4, re- uh, well, Resident Evil 4 back, back then, um, great action zombie, well, not really zombie, they're more the horror. Cold. Yeah. Yeah, I think they went more action than horror, but the horror elements are still there, mm. and the remake um, makes Leon um, and Claire and everyone look mm. really good. And it's very atmospheric. Now, at number five, we have Final Fantasy 16. I was about to say 14. 16. (laughs) Yoshi P, uh, loved by the Game Awards. Um, I don't think it's going to take it home. I'm sorry, but there are too too many uh, downsides to this game. Apparently, it feels too basic and streamlined and feels like it doesn't challenge the player. Yeah, I heard a lot of that. Um, you do have the main director of Devil May Cry coming to do the action. So I see a lot of people mm. complaining. I'm like, it is an action game and uh, through and through. Action RPG Final Fantasy sounds like an incredible game coming to play on PC and mm. December. Um, but yeah, I don't think Final Fantasy 16 has any chance as much as I love Final Fantasy in general. Um, but yeah. Um, and number six, I put this in there. It, it could be um, we put one in honorable mentions that I completely forgot that could take over this. Spider-Man Two. Um, I think it comes out just before the embargo drops for mm. um, the Game Awards. The Game Awards cutoff is November, I think. Mm. But Spider-Man Two. Um, Epsilon, what do you do? You think it's gonna be up there? I really, really, really hope it is. Spider-Man games generally have a great uh, rep about them, so can't wait for this one in particular to come out so we can try it out. Uh, Definitely would like to try out, you know, what it has to offer. Specifically, you know, because of the story being a big part about most Spider-Man games. So I hope you do come, we come to enjoy that when it comes out. True. I gotta buy a PS5 before that. Um, <laughs> Is it PS5 exclusive? Got them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the original yeah, until yeah. I came to PC. 
Uh, yeah, Spider-Man 2, PS5 exclusive. Gotta buy mm. one. Um, what, have we made out of money? No. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. I think the story of Spider-Man 2 may push it for it. Mm. But um, we have some honorable mentions here. Um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order missed out on Game of the Year um, back in 2019, I believe. And people were annoyed. Hmm. Star Wars Jedi Survivor, um, have you played it recently? No, I have not come to play it recently. Okay. Um, I have finished it and I've been replaying it um, since I got a new rig. And yeah, it's it's great. Hmm. It's not as bug-ridden anymore. It doesn't break your PC. Uh, but I don't think it is Game of the Year material. I feel though that initial uh, pushback is going to be what's causing it to lack because games such as like Baldur's Gate 3 you know Legend of Zelda uh, Final Fan- uh, Fantasy 16 even even Resident Evil 4 make- remake might do this but they won't have the drawbacks that this game came with yeah Star Wars Jedi Survivor could uh, it's easy it could be the cyberpunk where it's quite bug ridden and that takes mm-hmm. away from the actual game where the story is beautiful and I can't mm-hmm. wait for the third game um, a very early January contender actually coming out a day after Forspoken was Hi-Fi Rush um, a lot of outlets gave this 10 gave this 9, 8 mm-hmm. minimum um, if they want to do a, like a throw a spin in the works kind of like what they did last year with Stray I don't mm-hmm. know why Stray was in the nominations well stray had a really really good uh story behind it as well as the graphics being supremely good for what it was uh, okay yeah, the puzzle game it was a really nice game mm. okay i'll pick up stray probably um i think it's on game pass so mm. it's finally on the xbox um but yes uh but stray compared to Elden ring God of War, Ragnarok, um, Xenoblade 3. Um, yeah, I don't think it would have a chance, uh, along with um, Horizons uh, Forbidden West. But if they want to throw a spin in the works, Hi-Fi Rush could be it. Um, another Bethesda um, nomination here. Um, incredible art direction. It's a shadow drop. There were no bugs, um, no crashes. Um Beautiful art style. I think I repeated myself. Beautiful soundtrack as well. Mm. Um, Epson, what are your thoughts on the Hi-Fi Rush? Uh, you've played it, right? Yes, yes. It was a great game. It's very linear aspect. However, that's what makes it really good story-wise. I would say it is genuinely a really great game to have fun and play in. However, as, as a contender for Game of the Year... I would say that would be debatable, especially because of the vast majority of uh, games on this list who outshine it by so much just because of the fact that the IPs are bigger. Definitely. Um, but if it does get nominated, that is a big one. Um, especially for the art style, for the soundtrack, um, beat by beat music. Um, yeah, that would have been great. And fingers crossed for it. Now the next one, um, I may be biased, but I'm looking at more how they would nominate a game via accessibility. They really mm. love games about accessibility. It's mm. Street Fighter Six, um, a fighting game being nominated. It sounds ludicrous, but this game has everything, and 
um, what was it, at EVO um, recently, Evolution and um, Fighting Game Tournament, a blind person actually went to prelims um, while playing um, Street Fighter 6. So um, having an arcade stick that has everything, but also the game tells you where different um, sounds are coming from and for a blind person or a deaf person, yeah, accessibility in Street Fighter 6 is incredible and I think they're a little biased towards um, accessibility games in general. Um, mm. Epsilon, do you think? I don't think it has a chance, but do you think it has a chance? Uh, truly, I would say it would have an honorable mention, but it doesn't have what it takes to be on the top aspect of the gaming sphere. Yeah, um, I just put it on there, A, for bias reasons, and B, for the accessibility mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Um, at number four here, um, you mentioned it, and I completely forgot. Even though it's been down in the dirt uh, recently, it's Diablo 4. Um, from what I've heard earlier, it, it was a great game. Now it's... Eh-eh. As the um, initial hype of Diablo 4 and its story came about, it was like praised for being just a game that was really good and something that came back from Diablo Immortal really well. However, due to its uh, financial areas of the damaging uh, returns, we do not know if it will get nominated, maybe, but that's due to being uh, made by a very big company such as Blizzard always being there. Mm, um, I feel like even though we're going to talk about Blizzard soon, uh, it all comes down to Bobby Kotick and Activision because it's Activision Blizzard. Hopefully Bobby Kotick gets bought out. I don't want him to be bought out. But by Phil Spencer when they um, uh, when they get the Activision Blizzard um, acquisition, which has been um, accepted by the New Zealand government here, which is quite cool. Um, but yes, Diablo 4, from what I've seen, um, looks like Diablo 2, um, visually and and gameplay-wise, but yeah, monetization always ruins games like this, and it is Blizzard um, Activision. Now, um, you, Epsilon mentioned a game that I loved so much, but completely forgot, it's Hogwarts Legacy. I think this has a chance um, Epsilon what are your thoughts this Hogwarts Legacy was uh, made by a company that really didn't have the um, the negative feedback it should have received for just having the IP and the game itself is a truly beautiful amazing uh, experience to have trade out and it should not be judged through public outcry of especially because of the fact that the the person that this IP is connected to has certain views, the game shouldn't be judged upon those. Yeah. Um. If you want to know more about what um Dongun's talking about, there's a video mm. by Mighty Keith that it's a, it's a skip, but it's truly what um the situation was about mm. um about um different um ideologies. That shouldn't correlate to the actual person who bought the game. Anyway, that'll, that'll get too political. But I think yeah. Hogwarts Legacy, it feels like the perfect Harry Potter game, even though it's not Harry Potter the main character. It's a creator character. Well, 
my gosh. You know, this this is what every child uh, back in the days wanted. You know, it's playing as a character from the story of Harry Potter, you know. This game truly delivered it really well, and I would say yep. it is one of the best experiences you can have within the gaming uh, sphere this year. Yeah, um, I still remember the first time in that you get to meet a hippogriff, and I was just smiling. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, this, even though it's not Hagrid and it's kind of a side quest, and because I was Hufflepuff, I got put into Hufflepuff. Um, just seeing the hippogriff and flying on it and also on a broom and just it was it was just mesmerizing and they really hit out of the park avalanche and warner brothers um but if out of anything if spider-man 2 doesn't get nominated i feel like it's hogwarts legacy and that has the highest chance to be nominated for game of the year um will it win no i feel like Baldur's Gate 3 might take it home. It's between Baldur's Gate 3, Starfield, and Legend of Zelda. Those are the big three this year. Yeah. And it's it's very strong. Mm. Very, very strong. Mm. Anyway, so the Game Awards, hosted by Jeff Keighley, um, coming out in December. Uh, Gamescon actually starts um, Monday um, here in New Zealand, which you can catch on both Game Pass or on YouTube, wherever you watch it, also on Twitch. But yes, um, the Game Awards, can't wait. The The category that I'm really scared of is Best Soundtrack, because there has been some great soundtracks. But um, overall, Game of the Year, I think it's between Baldur's Gate 3, Legends of the Tears of the Kingdom, and Starfield, if it delivers. Yep. Now, gaming news that has been hitting the internet I want to start with the biggest one, and it's one that I I think they knew that was going to be negative. It's Overwatch 2. Overwatch 2 has now hit Steam, a public domain where people can be public about their opinions on the game. Overwhelmingly negative. I think it's on a 97% overwhelmingly negative. Yes. Is it deserved, Epsilon? Well, it, sorry, it's on a 9% of... Uh, oh people uh generally viewing this game as po- positive well 91 percent of you as overwhelmingly negative out of 150,000 people damn truly this game did not need to be on steam uh this ip ju- the reason for it is generally to bring about the invasion bundle which was the pve that was promised to us from uh, overwatch one and yeah, it's just it's a, it's a really weird uh, view upon this game right now because people don't really like the fact that Blizzard is truly showing how much they care, like how little they care about this. Um, for for the viewers at home, Epsilon and I used to play a lot of Overwatch 2 when it first launched. Um, I don't think both of us have gone back to the game. I've no. I've gone back to the game for the PVE. The PVE, honestly, the PVE is incredible, but I would consider it like a TV series. Like season one could have been all the animated shorts that came out before, um, or that could have been a movie, and all the cutscenes that are in the PVE are really good. But you can watch it for free on YouTube. The and, issues with this yeah. is the fact that 
in Overwatch, the reason for Overwatch 2's existence in the first place was to give us the PvE experience, as they mm. said. That's why they got rid of the loot box system, they, that's why they made everything more expensive, they made skins just overwhelmingly pricier now, and brought about the battle pass, and yeah, it was just a bunch of just more and more uh, microtransactions, and I guess in the end they said, why not just remove the promise of giving us a full-on rise to PvE and make everybody pay for it. Honestly, I feel like the overwhelmingly negative um, scores on Steam, I'm actually going through them. Some of them are just funny, but most of them are genuine concerns about the company and how they're handling the game. A game that, honestly, Overwatch 1, like original Overwatch, was one of the best FPS games to come out in recent time. It was incredible. It kind of built off our love of Team Fortress 2 and kind of those um, arena shooters, really. And having these heroes that had these stories and so much love and care. And most of us just cared about the lore, like how did McCree, I mean Cassidy, meet Ash or mm. like Echo or, or Tracer, Winston. Like all these characters you kind of get attached to. And when you play them, you do feel their energy, especially through voice lines. But now that that energy or that presence is kind of gone, I wouldn't say it truly left with Jeff Kaplan. I think it left just before Overwatch 2 came out because there was a kind of dry period of from 2020 to when Overwatch 2 came out of no content, no nothing. They kind of stranded us Overwatch players and to defend the game. Um, and it wasn't worth it. We were tired and now Overwatch 2 Apparently season 6 is the launch of Overwatch 2. What we played before and gave our money to was somewhat of an early access and I feel like this is horrible marketing from the team but this is what originally the game was supposed to launch with um, all this content mm. but man um, most of the comments are proper criticism towards Activision and Blizzard um yeah do I think it's deserved um yes and no because one of the comments is um <laughs> people who make Overwatch porn actually put more effort into um, oh. that <laughs> than the actual developers um but yeah anyway speaking of Activision Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 is basically Modern Warfare 2 DLC. So yes. what Activision was saying was Modern Warfare 2 was going to be supported for two years. So it came out last year, we were like, okay, cool. I don't have the game, I don't want to buy the game, but I'm going to be sucked in. Then they released Modern Warfare 3. They're idiots. Epsilon, what are your thoughts on this? This is self-destructive of the company because of the fact that they've blatantly just disrespected what uh, they've said and truly I don't believe many people are going to be happy with the company again yeah I think everyone's lost faith in Activision especially when it comes to um, Call of Duty they're just milking it for money now um yeah I feel like there will be some people defending it um, saying, oh, it looks new, there are new guns. No, 
um, everything that they said about this game is returning stuff from original Modern One, uh, Modern Warfare Two, or Modern Warfare Three. Uh, that doesn't change the aspects of it being a reskin of um, Modern Warfare Two that came out last year. Um, yeah, no, this is a big no-no, and I just want to kind of touch upon that here because I feel like we shouldn't be supporting stuff like this. Um, I didn't add it here, but did you hear about the new Red Dead Redemption? Not a remaster, not a remake, but it's on the PS4 and the Nintendo Switch. Epsilon. Uh, no, I did not. That sounds very interesting, and I would like to touch up on that. And so I'll, I'll run it down for you. So Take-Two and Rockstar, um, there were leaks about a new Res um, Res uh, Resident Evil, uh, Red Dead Redemption. Um, we thought it would be a remake of the first game um, with the same graphics of um, Red Dead Redemption 2 kind of like The Last of Us Part 1 came out after The Last of Us Part 2 uh, with the same graphics as that um, No, it's the same port from the PS3 and the Xbox 360 Now on the PS4, not the PS5, the PS4 and Nintendo Switch huh, and, it's, and it's selling for $100 here <laughs> I truly don't feel that that's worth the uh, price of the, the target recording. No, um, players on Xbox um, notice that on the Xbox Series X especially, there's an enhancement mode where it enhances your bitrate and everything. Um, if you have the Xbox 360 game with backwards compatibility, it runs at native 4K at 60 frames and you can buy it at, on Amazon for $20. So that's another one, kind of like Call of Duty, just don't support it. Take-Two, I don't know what they're doing over there. I still remember their um, E3 presentation in 2020 uh, or 2021. It was just basically a like a uni seminar about diversity in, in video game industry that lasted for three hours. Kind of anyway, on a positive note, Baldur's Gate 3's Steam numbers are insane and they're still rising. I think the latest I saw was 835 concurrent players. Yes. If so, what are your thoughts on that? I'm hoping that that becomes a multiplayer thing. Because truly, really, mm. if if they push for the multiplayer aspect of this game, it's going to push it even further. Yeah, playing with your friends and uh, a D&D quest um, sounds like incredible fun. Hopefully, Alarian Studios implements it. Um, but yeah. Uh, you've played Borders Gate 3. I think you have it, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll buy it soon um, when I have the time, but yes. I'll sink my teeth into that because <laughs> that looks incredible. It is a game that will keep you interested for a very long time. Definitely. Now, um, along with Borders Gate 3, AAA studios, uh, especially on Twitter, are annoyed at Alien Studios for its success. Success, um, with no microtransactions, no battle passes, no, no any monetization in general. Um, Again, they, uh, that's the same situation as Elden Ring. They do, this is the same situation that we felt that studio where they had no microtransactions. They were just a game studio that made really good games. Yeah, and it goes to show. Exactly. Um, AAA developers um, from Square Enix, from um, 
from Sony um, IPs and Microsoft IPs uh, are targeting Alarian Studios for being a good game, <laughs> really, while they have games that are riddled with microtransactions and uh, miscommunication and misinformation and stuff like that. I, I don't know why developers do that now. We should be bigging people up now. Like, cool, your game's successful, awesome. Um, but Alarian Studios are very humble on on a platform, especially like Twitter, which just talks like every day. Mm. Um, final news: we covered it um, during Starfield is that yes, it launches for uh, deluxe edition uh, premium users on September first and sixth for standard users. We uh, well, I have currently preloaded. If someone's got a preload soon, of the Game Pass version. I am not spending $130 on a buggy, <laughs> buggy game on Steam, but... We don't know yet, so we'll check it out. Yeah, if it's really good, I'll buy the Steam version and probably create a new character on there. Now, as we gear to the ultimate finale of Warrior Season 3, and hopefully not series finale, that drops on Neon New Zealand at 12pm, or 12pm, sorry, this Monday, Season 3, Episode 9, All of Death. Is a going home, which sees tension rise in Chinatown. We also witness Larry pushed to the brink in one of the most gruesome fights to date. Now, Epsilon. Wow. It's a big wow factor. Big yes. uh, I'll start off with an important scene, and that would be Father June's passing. We've been talking yes. about this since episode 5, I think, when he got shot. Uh, that that was quite heavy. Mm. Um, young June actually had to do it. And the speech that Father June gave Young June was like, Don't let me die as an old man. Really, basically, Amy Dai is the freedom fighter, the warrior of Chinatown, the top of the tongs. Yes. Um, take my life, and yeah, Epsilon, what are your thoughts on Father that, June's passing? Father June's passing was so intense. It, I'd have to say. The scene itself was very impactful, specifically the ceremony section where all the members were smashing knives down, the hand axes, and young Jin walking up to meet up with Father June again, re queen. Yeah, um, young Jun is finally the leader. I think he's, along with Assam, he's been kind of um pulled back emotionally, especially with Father Jun re- reappearing in his life um, in episode 5. Uh, episode 6 was the um, time he got shot. Episode 5 was the first time we saw Perry Young return back. Um, actually in the credits for the opening intro of episode 9, Perry Young's name is actually in the credits for the first time. And now he's gone. Um, but yes, an emotional um, moment. Chow's um, Hun Lee, his delivery of um, giving the, the speech 
for Young Jun talking about um, Father Jun because Chao's been there longer than most of them. Um, yeah, it was very impactful. Now onto something um, quite disturbing yet hype. Larry went Ooh, beast mode. Yes. He could also be considered a Mortal Kombat character as well. Larry's whole uh, fight scene, I feel, at the end reminded me of the Kingsman, but more brutal. It had the aspects of a brawl. Came out really well overall, just to show how much power he has and how he shouldn't be underestimated as a character. Dude, he was brutal. He went, he went quite normal at the beginning. Yes, he did shoot someone through the head. Um, but by the end, picking up the hammer, whoa! Yeah. And what he did to that one dude with his jaw, yeah. I, I, wow, yeah. That guttural scream at the very end. Oh, I just, everyone, just go watch it. Um, but again, it's very gruesome. Take caution, people. <laughs> yeah, very, very much take caution. Uh, but yes, Larry goes beast mode. I don't. I think that's his big moment this season. Um, he could still appear in the final episode, but we'll we'll see. Um, Atoy, um, you were talking about this before we started. Um, talking about Lai and that fight scene at the beginning of the episode. Yes. With Strickland. Yeah, I don't think. I thought Lai was alive. They were just cleaning her wounds. But I think they were cleaning her wounds so she could be put in the casket back to China. Artois Alpha Revenge. Yes, it's it's over. Like for for her to lose somebody such as that is just you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lai has been this like character in the background mm. until season two when her. Artoy and Assam just start butchering down um, racist Irishmen. Um, seeing Lai kind of get somewhat of more um, like appreciation this season um, because she was stuck in Simona. Uh, was it Simona? Yeah, Simona. Um, with Nelly. Yeah, Artoy. Artoy is pretty much annoyed. Uh, Lai was kind of like a daughter to her. I think, yeah, Strickland's dying, and Nelly has confirmed that Artoy can take him out. Um, now, this was the big thing, we talked about this in episode 8, with Leong and Mai Ling. Ay, ay, ay. It can um, be said that uh, Mai Ling is taken over. Yeah, I yeah. think it's, I think they're done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mai Ling is now the leader, is she not? Oh, yeah, Myling's always been the leader. No, yeah. I mean, um, their, mar- their marriage is done. Oh, it is over. It is completely over. Yeah. Um, after what happened with Compaq, um, yeah, Leong, Leong wasn't having it. And that scene, that scene was quite scary because of what Leong could do. Um, but having Myling having other Longzi guards there, who Leong has trained and beaten the crap out of, and trying to protect her even though they know that they can't um no but the fact that they would rather betray him as a leader yeah it's what shocked um, me overall 
Yeah, I think mining has either the money, the funding, or the power. Uh, most likely both, but more power. Um, I don't think there could be um, some complications within the season finale. I don't know. We don't know until we watch it. Now, if Lee Young uh, joins uh, Pussy Tong, this would be a very interesting <laughs> trio, you know? Uh, yeah. Quart- no, it would be a quartet now, wouldn't it? You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Assam, he gives up the plates or the location of the plates for Yanmi. I never really liked this. Even though Assam's the main character, it is more of a side story. Um, come on, man. Have some credibility. Hey, I, I would do anything for love, but not that much. You're betraying your brothers and everything for, for, for a girl who could betray you. Epsilon, what are your thoughts on this? It's going to be a very impactful scene here because this presents us with the fact that Assam is no longer welcome in tongues. It's, it's a scene where he betrays the people that he was put in, uh, trusted with just for a girl... Uh, that he's gone to know within a few uh, episodes. So we'll see how far this then deep this goes. Yeah, um Yan Mi, I've been predicting this she she dies. Uh, but it's been leading to her getting on a train and getting away and maybe Assam stays in Chinatown but I don't know. Uh, I don't know how the finale is going to wrap up yeah, everything. Yeah, Yanmi's still in jail, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, yeah. The next time we see Assam is talking to Big Bill, who I didn't write down here, who is now Captain O'Hara. Yeah. Um, now Captain Racist, or at least Racist. Um, but yes, um, Assam's going to give up the place to um, Lee. And the Secret Service. Um, yeah, I, I still don't like the storyline, but hey. Yeah, this 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 kind of is a little bit of a backdrop from last uh, episode that came out. Yeah. Um, I did talk about this with the father Jun one. Young Jun is finally now in charge. He he doesn't have the burden of trying to be in his father's footsteps. He can now be in charge of the Tong. Um, he could deal with Assam's um, stuff now without having the influence of his father. Ipsom, uh, what are your thoughts on like Young Jun now being in full control of the hallway? It's what I thought was going to come through. In the end, this was the inevitable uh, answer. With, you know, the new blood taking over the old. And Young Jun's whole characteristics showing that he has to become a leader now for his people. Yeah. Um, hopefully everything's okay in the hallway and nothing really terrible happens. They're all brothers. But again, at the very beginning of the season, uh, season one, uh, first episode, um, Assam was actually forced into the hallway via Chow. But, um, yeah, if they do go their separate ways, uh, I I wouldn't be mad. But mm. yeah, uh, speaking of Chow though, he's also getting a fascinating uh, 
story, isn't he? Especially with the yes. fact that he's now being threatened. Yes, um, with uh, Happy Jack's people. Yeah. Um, I think that is one of the smartest things ever. I was actually cheering when Chow was telling Happy Jack's people to go to where the plates are. So there's a equal opportunity to blame Happy Jack's people on the plates instead of, yes. instead of the hopway. Uh, yeah. So there could be like Asam will be like, hey, they they had the plates, not not us. Um, even though it was coming through Tong territory, they could just say Happy Jack and had the Tongs do it for him. Um, even though Happy Jack's dead. But yeah, Chow. I wonder what's going to happen to Chow. Hopefully he's okay. Yes. Um, hopefully he doesn't wait and run away with the money that Assam left him. The proper money. Um, not counterfeit. I don't think uh, Chow has like, ever be- been like in a situation of powers like this this point yeah uh, we'll see his character come to fruition now that you know he's been given an opportunity and let's see how he proves himself yeah um now hong hong has some anger management issues i was hoping we would see more of his backstory than i saw was episode nine um do you think there's kind of more to hong um what he had to deal with in china that kind of made him freak out like this or something like that um when he was with his i forgot what his boyfriend's name was or x um was but yeah epsilon do you think hong has more backstory to him i do i do this this is very interesting now because of the fact that you know his character will be seeing uh more of in the beginning never really had an introduction so I would like to see more about what has happened to him before he came to Chinatown. Yeah, we got a lot to know about with um, Young Jun and especially with Asam as the main character and Mai Ling. But yeah, Hong being one of the main cast, um, we barely got to know him. He was just like, hey guys, I know you hate me, but hey, I'm here. Then they were impressed with him. And now just seeing him like freak out, even though yes, this cop did assault him. Um, I think there's more to tell with his um, experience in China. Um, but yes, hopefully that is something we see in future seasons. Now, the finale is around the corner and it's all going down here from here. And we're going to have the police raid um, with the Hopway and Happy Jack's people. That's going to be the big fight. We were kind of talking about Chinatown riots too. Yeah. Do you think Assam could potentially fight Young Jun and that in the finale? I hope not. I hope they make yeah. peace and I hope they go against the true enemy, which is Mai Ling. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I'm hoping if Mai Ling does die next next episode, um, or like Leong sacrifices himself for Mai Ling again, which I hope he doesn't. Um, yeah, I don't think it's again the the storm's still here and it's not going anywhere but anyway excited for the finale um do you have any other predictions for the finale i think that atoy's gonna get revenge yes i truly believe that she needs it and if if it delivers i will be glad that it happens atoy's literally batman 
and yeah, yeah <laughs> she she needs to kill him in the same way that uh, she uh, he killed uh, the, the girl. Yeah, killed Lai. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Atoi Atoi is definitely gonna kill him. Um, that could bring back the sword, um, the swordsman um, storyline that Zing was a part of um, last season, and Atoi could be um, either arrested or something like that. I don't know, but yeah, Strickland is dying. There's no other way around it. Mm. We are ready for Warrior to have its final goodbye to this incredible series that would have made Bruce Lee proud. Next week, we'll be celebrating Warrior as the final episode drops on Neon New Zealand on Monday at 12pm New Zealand Standard Time. Now, My Adventures with Superman, streaming only on Adult Swim. We'll be delving into this somewhat of a dark and depressing episode, even though it didn't start that way, with episode 8, Zero Hour Part 1. I just watched the episode. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, this this episode was quite interesting. I would say, I'm I am always surprised by just how uh, I'd like to say a week the super variant is of Superman is due to the fact that whenever we see Superman, he's at the strengths of what he is, generally being pretty strong. So yeah. This time yeah. around, I was pretty surprised. It, the the start of it was actually incredible. It was just mm. Superman finally getting his somewhat echolocation, um, our uh, super hearing, and that's what it's called. Um, yes. and just helping random civilians, and I was just smiling. I was like, "This is Superman. He's he's gonna sacrifice himself to save the people that." probably won't even treat him the same as they treat everyone else but he is the s means hope and there was a scene and uh, when he's trying to find the general um spoilers here when he's trying to find the general and this little girl's lost his mom uh, lost her mom and he's like hey i can help you let me just find this location of mm-hmm. of where your mom is and it was just a beautiful scene i think i started to tear up because i'm like this is superman I, I love yeah. Henry Cavill but man but Epsilon he's just helping random civilians and cats yeah. and stuff yeah no he that's what the true aspect of the Superman is you know to help the common man you know common person just get through the day you know survive dangerous situations you know just be there for the people yeah um and then it got very dark very quickly by the end of the episode ah yes um, saving one of one of the villains who actually I feel like was intended to be there to make mm-hmm. Superman look quite shit um, invisible dude and Superman creates a whole distraction in traffic and people are looking at him like whoa you're too powerful and then this I would call it Suicide Squad because they literally are a Suicide Squad um, taking on Superman yeah, as you said, he's quite weak. 
um, normally Superman wouldn't have been taken down by just that and shows, you know, that he's just getting too used to his powers. Yeah, um, I think now him having super hearing um, has weakened his character, kind of like when he got X-ray vision, he wasn't fully um, mm. there. I think it's going to be quite a bit, maybe half of next episode he gets used to his super hearing and because kind of tune it out what Daredevil really does um but Lois um last episode there was a teaser of uh, a dark superman or slash bizarro we can never run away from a dark variant Mm. of superman thanks injustice (laughs) but Epsilon do you think he's gonna turn there no, I truly don't think it's going to be that sort of case. Or it shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this variant of Clark is quite pure. Yeah. Um, I feel like they're going to do the corny route where Lois screams, Clark! And he snaps out of it. <laughs> instead of the Kryptonite coming into play. Yes. But, yeah. Either way, I think that moment could fits something like my adventures with superman it's got that aesthetic to it and got that tone where that would suit it um i've also put here it's kind of a pg-13 invincible Ah. the way it's um shot the way action set pieces are showing animation and also weakened superman yeah do you think it is a pg-13 invincible he's just Uh, getting his power started yeah yeah i would say it's a little bit more than pg-13 but it's around that area yes Mm. yeah if, if, if this show had gore and gruesomeness it would definitely be just invincible mm. um, but I, I do think with how much um, influence Invincible has had to something like um, My Adventures with Superman kind of like Spider-Verse having an influence on Pussy Boots and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant and Mayhem Mm. Um, this is kind of a great take on animation on their part Um, so I do think that's a smart smart decision Mm. Um, we do get Vicky Vale from Gotham Gazette do you think Batman or slash Bruce Wayne could show up in a later season well it opens the door to that in my Mm. opinion because you know Gotham has now been introduced into the storyline so that means that Batman could be, you know, brought about. We could see Bruce's adventures as well. Because, you know, the iconic duo, Bruce Wayne and, you know, Clark Kent, always be the two characters, you know, that have that uncanny friendship. Yeah. Um, but we kind of cool to see who voices Bruce. Um, but, yeah, I feel like there is a massive possibility that we'll get to see him probably next season or the season after. Um, but yeah, it's a possibility, as you said, it opens the door up. Now, um, I, I didn't mention this with the um, Dark Superman section was, Lois may be the one to stop Clark. Do you think it's going to be that, um, shell of Clark, or will it be Kryptonite Epsilon? I feel as though we'll see. We'll uh, have to see. She might have to weaken him, in my opinion. So, yeah. We'll see how it goes at the end there. Yeah, um, maybe Lois has that, um, well, he, I wouldn't say love, because 
quite early in the relationship but she he really has feelings for Lois um so yeah he'll probably shut off everything just for her and maybe for Jimmy as well um I'm, yeah I was quite shocked by the fact that you know people kept like you know the general be so public about just attacking Superman true um I thought it was gonna be the because of the public outcry of what Superman did to that traffic people will be looking at this going yay someone's taking care of Superman being considered a bad guy um but yeah I don't know the general yeah it was too public and people just standing around with phones cameras kind of like if Superman existed here we would be exactly the same because we're sheep um but yes I feel like Lois could use Kryptonite to weaken him but uh, what's so what section would you say of this is where he went insane like into that dark Superman or are you saying that that this is just going to be his future self from Mr. Pix's soul um I've it could be when he's trying to take them all on in the next episode that he could just turn and an evil I don't know maybe a yes. kill switch happens in his head yes. Yes. and he just starts killing them or just hurting them badly um, but I think that's when he could turn and Lois could be there to stop him mm. um, yeah I don't think there's any other part it's only him trying to survive or they kidnap Lois or mm. Jimmy um, kind of that regular I'm, yeah I'm truly in, like gonna be wondering how how this particular Superman is gonna deal with the fact that he's somewhat outclassed and outpowered by literally every like even the, the Lex Luthor of this universe yeah. so I'm wondering what is gonna happen here yeah I feel like we're gonna know more soon. Um, I don't know how many episodes there are. I should have looked it up. Either twelve or thirteen. Mm. I kind of miss when these shows used to be, especially these um, animated shows, were twenty-four, forty-eight episodes a season. But who knows? Um, this is part one of two. Um, part two comes out next Friday and mm. um, Saturday here for us. Do you have any predictions on that? It kind of feels like a finale, but it's not really a finale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's ten episodes, I remember correctly. Oh. But, um... Yeah, uh... Zero Day 2, I feel as though it's definitely going to express us with, like, him trying to escape from, you know, the general right now. Yeah. Um, it's going to be the, um... Seeing Superman go full berserk mode, or he fully taps into his potential as being the son of Krypton and the sign of hope. I don't know. Um, but part two comes out next Friday. Whew. I cannot wait for what is to come in the weeks ahead for my adventures with Superman. With Warrior ending sadly, we'll be back to share our next show that we'll be covering. Now, as this is not your usual Movie Bros podcast episode, there was no box office, but do not fret. It will return next week, as we'll be looking at how DC's Blue Beetle tracked, whether it succeeded expectations or met them, which will make me sad. 
we will be back with gaming news as the Gaming Bros podcast, but for the coming weeks, we will be back to our regular programming. Now, Epson, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, this week was just a week of just frantic uh, greatness and just awkwardness, I would have to say. Especially with the current uh, situation with certain games, as well as certain news that are traveling around media. Of, uh, with the endings of such great shows such as Warrior and uh, Sivan coming to a close almost with their final episodes uh, somewhat coming out soon. So it's it's to look to the future to see new and great greater shows. Yeah, that's incredible to hear. Now, we have the Gaming Bros Podcast, a spin-off of the Movie Bros Podcast, along with the Anime Bros Podcast, streaming on your favorite listening platforms. A podcast that has been on hiatus for four plus years since Captain Marvel's box office numbers. We are your hosts, Requiem King and Epsilon, and we wish you a happy Duang, and see you real soon, Space Cowboy. Now hit the streets! Bye!